I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. And this is the third episode, and it's a special episode for a lot of different reasons. First of all, because it is Dr. Seuss's birthday today on the day that we're recording, right? And we did an episode about him last year. We talked about Dr. Seuss for his birthday in celebration of him, and he would be 116? That's right, yeah. Yeah, 116 years old. So... Yeah, happy birthday, Dr. Seuss. You know, he's uh, the creator of many classics that we know and love. Like The Cat in the Hat, Horton, The Grinch, Yertle the Turtle, The Sneetches, The Lorax, Green Eggs and Ham, Oh, The Places You'll Go, and many others. Yeah, and his, and his books are still being made into shows and movies, which yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking about those in the future. Yeah, like the new Green Eggs and Ham show. Right, that came out on Netflix? Yeah, no, back in November. Okay, once again, happy birthday, Dr. Seuss, and thanks for all of your stories. And besides that, besides Dr. Seuss's birthday, what else are we talking about today? Mainly in our podcast about animated films about monsters. Right. So we thought because, you know, it's it's March. So we thought, hey, what a better time to talk about monsters. Monsters March. Mm, Good one. (laughs) So we'll be talking about three specific monster films that all kind of play with the idea of what monsters are. And those films are. Monsters, Inc., Hotel Transylvania, and Monsters vs. Aliens. That's right. But before we get started on that, we have yet another new segment that we want to introduce called Name That Song. What's the name of that song? We need the name of that song. So, for this segment, I play a song, and Ezra tells me what it is and where it's from, what animated movies it's from, or even trailers it's from. Yeah. So let me go ahead and play it. Just follow the day, follow the day, and reach for the sun. Right, Ezra, what is that song? Light and Day. And who's it by? The Polyphonic Spree. And what do you remember it from? Oh, the trailers and commercials from Illumination's The Lorax. Although it was, wasn't was in the actual movie, it was in the trailers and commercials for that film. Oh, okay, so it didn't actually appear in the movie itself. Yeah, one of the films from the same studio as Despicable Me and Secret Life of Pets and Others. Well, that's a great coincidence, actually, that we're talking about the Lorax on... Because it's the birthday of Dr. Seuss, and also that movie was released on Dr. Seuss's birthday in 2012. Well, look at that. So, yeah, but is there anything else that you can tell us about this specific song, Light and Day? It was, I think, originally released in 2002. Yeah, 2002. It's by Polyphonic Spree and... The thing about Polyphonic Spree is that, like, the the band, they have, like, 20 people on the stage. So there's, like, a choir singing and all the, all the 
different musicians playing and and it's just a it's a very crowded stage mm. and so they create this really unique choir type sound that's that i think is pretty cool yeah i see so yeah so that's a song that appeared in the trailer for the lorax and that's the first ever segment of name that song and we'll have more exciting songs for you in the future but before we get started on our feature presentation we have a trivia question to answer so last week, the trivia question was, what fairy tale was Frozen based off? Frozen was based off of the Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen, which there have been other adaptations of that story, too. And some of the characters like Hans, Kristoff, Anna, Sven kind of sound like Hans Christian Andersen. Oh, that's a good point. I never thought about that. So what are some other examples of adaptations that have been made based on the story? Like there has been, I think, The Snow Queen, an independent animated film from 2012 that they were making the same time Disney already made their own. We all know as Frozen. Right. Hans Christian Andersen also did classic tales like The Ugly Duckling and The Emperor's New Clothes and The Little Mermaid and The Steadfast Tin Soldier and things like that. There's a lot of classic movies that are based off of his story. Those are very well-known classic tales, yeah. especially The Little Mermaid, even the Disney one that everyone knows. Yeah, he's kind of like Dr. Seuss in that way. Where Well, he was from centuries ago, way before Dr. Seuss. Sure. But in the sense that he created these stories that are still being adapted and still being yeah, talked there was about. A movie about Hans Christian Andersen, or I think a TV show from the 1950s based on those classic tales. Do you remember what it was called? I don't remember exactly, but Hans Christian Andersen, Andersen, that's me. I think that's what the song for that went. <laughs> Maybe that should have been the, the name that song for this week. I know. Interesting, though, but it's such an interesting thing. Like a lot of people know what lot of animated films of Disney are based on, but ones like Frozen, not a lot of people know it's based on the Snow Queen, and it's such an interesting thing we taught you. Well, there you go. All right, so that was the trivia question from last week. Stick around to the end of this episode to get this week's trivia question. But for now, let's start our feature presentation. Let's just talk about monsters in animation for just in general a little bit and about how they're depicted generally. Like as scary and terrifying and sometimes mean. Yeah. And so what are some examples of that? Like famous classic monsters like Godzilla or King Kong and things like that. But their thing is, as it's a misunderstanding. They're not bad. They're misunderstood. Right. Well, that's been the recent trend in films like these three movies that we're going to be talking about, how they take this concept of monsters and sort of flip the script on it. So why don't we dive into Hotel Transylvania? So tell us a little bit about what that movie's about, Ezra. About monsters who take a vacation in a hotel somewhere in the countryside in Romania and they do it to commemorate Dracula's teenage daughter, Mavis, 118th birthdays, which is young in vampire years. That's funny. And they're hiding from humans because they think humans are dangerous. And yeah, and the, the monsters themselves. So you suggested Dracula is one of the monsters. Yeah, he's the main character. And then there's Frankenstein, Wayne the Werewolf, Murray the Mummy, and Griffin the Invisible Man. So these are traditional monsters from classic stories from the past. Yeah, I know. Mavis, Dracula's daughter, more than anything, wants to go see the outside world. And Dracula, who's the main character, is a bit overprotective. I see. 
In the movie, also, on one unexpected day, a human named Jonathan enters the hotel in some because he somehow discovered that place hidden. And Dracula disguises him as a monster, pretends to be Frankenstein's cousin, Johnny Stein. <laughs> That's great. And instantly, Jonathan has a crush on Mavis. And Dracula's trying to stop Mavis from falling in love with him before it's too late. Yeah, because they, like you said before, Dracula and the other monsters think that humans are dangerous to monsters. So that, it's almost kind of like flipping the script there, right? Where it's usually we consider the monsters are the dangerous ones. But in this world, or at least from their perspective, it's the humans that are dangerous. Yeah. So, so how are the monsters depicted in this movie? Like, what is Dracula like as a character? He's a vampire. He's not your average vampire who sucks your blood or says, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like the funny line where he says, I do not say blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. Do you know the best way to the airport? Yes, fellow Dracula. There's only one way, blah, blah, blah. But it's all blocked. We'll never make it in time. You should have left an hour earlier, blah, blah, blah. I do not say blah, blah, blah. And he's like an overprotective father. Yes, and he he's the founder of the ho the titular location, Hotel Transylvania, which is a hidden hotel for monsters somewhere in Transylvania in Romania. And what about the, the other monsters? Are they different from how they're traditionally depicted as well? Yeah, yeah, like Wayne, who's the werewolf, is a busy father who has a wife and a lot of mischievous children. Murray is a mummy. Who's fun-loving and a little and kind of chubby. <laughs> and then Dracula, I mean, not Dracula, but Frankenstein. And he has his wife, who's the bride of Frankenstein. In this film, she has a name. Her name is Eunice. And Frankenstein's Dracula's best friend. And there's also Griffin the Invisible Man. I forgot to mention him. He's invisible and he's voiced by David Spade. And he, you don't see him except his glasses that he wears. And then there's Mavis. She's curious and she's also lovely and she dreams of going outside after all these years, ever since she was a little girl. What are some of the lessons from this movie about how the monsters are depicted? What are we supposed to think about the monsters? They're not what they are on the outside, but what they are on the inside. Do Mavis and um, Jonathan, they develop a relationship? Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. fall in love and it doesn't matter what different kind of species they are. Right, and they sort of learn to come to understand each other better. Yeah, I know. By interacting. I remember that, and you also remember when Dracula revealed that his wife, Martha, centuries ago was tragically killed by the humans. Mm. And that's why he harbors this fear of humans. Because of that tragic backstory he has. So it's like a process of learning the, these kind of prejudices that he's carried. He's learning to move past them. So actually, that's going to be a common theme for all of these movies, right? Yeah. About how we understand monsters and, and in fact, they aren't actually as scary as we might think they are. So let's actually talk about a movie where scaring is part of the monster's jobs. In Monsters, Inc., that's one of the earlier Pixar films. Which, do you remember which one number? It Their was? fourth film. Their fourth film. And so tell us about that movie. It is about two monsters named Sully, a big, furry, gentle blue monster with purple spots, and his best friend, a green one-eyed monster who's round named Mike Wazowski. And they go to work in a scream factory called Monsters Incorporated. 
Well, and Sully is the top scarer. Their monster's job is to scare children, to collect their screams, to provide energy and power and electricity for their city, which is called Monstropolis. Yeah, uh, my my favorite thing about that movie was the breakdown of why monsters do what they do. Typically, monsters are depicted as doing what they do because they're they're bad. They're evil. But they're not bad. It's their job. Exactly. It's their it's their job actually to do this. And also they believe kind of like Hotel Transylvania. What do they believe about humans? They're dangerous. And in this one, Monsters, Inc., monsters thought human children, which they scare when the doors that lead to the human world, they think human children and their belongings like their toys were toxic. It's great with uh, what? what's the uh, girl's name again? Boo, um, but I'm saying once a human child is accidentally unleashed, and at first they don't get along, but then Sully and Boo become friends. It yeah. it's great when Boo's first in, like they're introduced as as bonding and <laughs> and they're they're all freaking out because Boo's there and hanging out and like touching them and they're like oh my god I'm gonna die. But then they see that when they touch her, nothing bad happens. Yeah, so they learn that it was just a rumor, basically. That Yeah, like that for years, monsters have had a misunderstanding of. Also, I remember there was that sneaky purple lizard-like monster who likes cheating, who was, who was a runner-up to Sully, and his name was Randall Boggs. And he was Sully and Mike's enemy, and he was a cheater, and he only cared about being the best scarer, and he was pretty evil, too. Right. Yeah, and the, and the ironic part is that he was concerned so much with being the best, but as we learned, collecting screams from the kids... It's not like the most fuel efficient means of energy. No, it's not all what it's cracked up to be. Right. And so they learn, they find out that from Boo laughing that that's actually more a more potent energy source. But despite that, he refuses to listen. And, and Randall was just a very lousy and evil and sneaky monster who just remained to be an evil bully. Right. And was it and and the thing is like the movie really goes out of the way to show that it's not it has nothing to really to do with him being a monster. It's just that he's greedy. Yeah, and he's and I remember his assistant, Fungus, the three-eyed red monster, wasn't really a bad guy though. He was just kind of scared of him. Fungus was more innocent and cowardly compared to Randall, who towards the end, Waternoose, the head of the company, was revealed to be the behind the plot. You know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because um in a lot of ways, it feels ahead of its time in terms of like talking about like not to dive in too deep into that, but like talking about green energy or green sources of energy. I get it. Yeah. I remember Water News and I thought he was helping them, but he was actually evil. He was voiced by the late James Coburn and two other similar villains from two other Disney films. I remember where I think he's wants to help the hero, but he was behind the whole evil plot was Miles Axelrod from the second Cars movie and Bellwether from Zootopia. They were very similar to Waternoose, I remember, because we think they're the ones who are helping, but they're the ones behind the evil plot. Yeah, exactly. I remember Celia, Mike's girlfriend, with the pink monster with the purple snake hair. Mm -hmm. I remember Roz, who was really memorable, who says, Wazowski, you didn't turn in your paperwork last night. 
<laughs> and don't let it happen again. And funny and really memorable when she says, I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. Always. I think we all, we've all known a character like that in our lives who is always kind of on top of us to get our work done. I know, and Roz is just serious and hardworking and kind of grumpy, too. Yeah. They're living the nine-to-five life. So, again, sort of like Hotel Transylvania, where Hotel Transylvania kind of humanized their monsters by giving them families monsters inc humanize them by making what they do their job so now that leads to the last one monsters versus alien so can yes. you tell us about that one this one was from dreamworks and it was their first 3d film and it was released in the spring of 2009 and this one is isn't as a uh, popular i would say as hotel transylvania or Monsters, Inc. And for the studio, DreamWorks, which produced it, it wasn't as successful enough as other big films they made that became series and franchises like Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragon. Well, not successful enough for a sequel movie, but a sequel show. Oh, it wasn't made into a show. It was actually a TV show. Okay. How long did the show last? For like a year. Well, I guess before we... Really let's talk about the movie itself. Yeah, let's talk about the movie. This was DreamWorks... 18th film in their first 3D film. Five monsters. Ginormica, a parody of the 50-foot woman. Bob, a parody of the blob. Dr. Cockroach, Missing Link, a cross between Creature of the Black Lagoon with King Kong, and Insectosaurus, like a bug monster, or monsters from a top-secret Area 51 kind of facility, and they work as a team to save the world from an evil alien invasion. It's, it sounds like it kind of like was a Suicide Squad, where you have these traditionally these characters that would play villains, but now they're in the role of superheroes. Yeah, I know. I get it. At first, Susan, when she becomes Ginormica, doesn't like adapting, doesn't get used to it, doesn't really adapt to living with these other monsters. But then she discovers it's not as bad or not as scary as it seems to be yeah so expand on that like why why is she worried at first that because and she wanted to um marry a guy named Derek, but she learns Derek actually had no interest in marrying her and she was kind of depressed learning about that but then she learns being with these monster friends is better right at the same time there's an evil alien named Galaxar, whose planet was destroyed, who plots on taking over the Earth to get his revenge. Mm -hmm. And he was a squid, a, kind of a scary, creepy, but comical squid-like alien who had an army of robots, and he was plotting on getting his revenge. All right, so what do we learn about the monsters in this film? They're good guys, and they're the heroes, and the villains, their enemies are the aliens. Right, and I, and I think there's something to be said about how heroism can take many forms and many shapes no matter how no matter what they look like right you could be a 50 foot tall woman yeah you know i know ginormica susan who was the main character and this was dream one of dreamworks several films with a female lead along with chicken run the crudes abominable as well as trolls in its upcoming sequel trolls world tour Okay, so yeah, three different monster movies, but it seems like they have a lot, in some ways have a lot in common, such as... Like monsters who are misunderstood and things like that. 
Yeah, so you have this idea of monsters being misunderstood. And what's the solution for for overcoming that misunderstanding? There's a way to figure it all out by coming into the into the light of day and showing everyone you're not what you seem to be on the outside. Right, and taking the effort to get to know the other other side, in this case the humans. So I think that's a valuable lesson to to take away from all these movies. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. And I thought these were all animated films about monsters that were comedies and weren't so scary, scary, but were scary, funny. You know what? Scary, funny can be great. All right. So I think that'll be it for this feature presentation. So that will be that for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. If you do, you'll get access to cool uh, exclusive stuff like our podcast diaries where we just talk about what we want to talk about that we don't have time to talk about on here. But before we let you go, we have a trivia question to give you. Today, California Adventure has a Pixar ride based on Monsters, Inc. called Monsters, Inc. Mike and Sully to the Rescue. What was the ride originally when that park opened? Okay, so that's a bit of a thinker right there. But actually, I you've told me about this before, and there's quite a story behind it. So, you know, if you know the answer, let us know on Facebook or send us an email at animationandbeyond at gmail.com. And stick around for next week because this this actually is some pretty fascinating background about this answer. So, but you have to wait till next week to hear it. Animation and Beyond is written and produced by Ezra Fieldsmeyer and Casey Cantrell with music by Noam Fieldsmeyer. We'd like to give a big thanks to the family and friends who have supported this podcast. Got a comment, question, or recommendation for future episodes? Let us know by leaving us a comment on our Facebook page, or send us an email at animationandbeyond@gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! See you later!